1: Listeners, this is Costume Station Zero. I'm Bob Mitch, and we are back with Andy Teal to continue talking Seventh Doctor goodness. Andy, hello. The next thing, I guess, would be the trousers. Let's talk trousers.
0: Yes, the trousers were fun. Uh, for years, I used just a couple of different pairs of uh, <coughs> old '70s polyester, you know, that had the right look and the right feel to them. Mm-hmm. Um, when, when when the time came to upgrade. I figured you know if I'm going to upgrade like this, I'm going to do it properly. So I did the usual insane cross-referencing that I do. Uh, search and search and search. I finally found a fabric I was really happy with. Uh, it was a wool. And um, when I'm searching, I'm not looking at prices and things because I'm an idiot. Mm-hmm. So I finally found. I, it was discontinued, and I went on this crazy hunt to find. I finally found just enough of it in Italy, <laughs> and had it shipped over. Uh, uh modified a pattern to get you know cuz you got very very distinctive 30s era trousers they have uh, uh a very specific pleat and they come up they come up short and then they've got a cuff above that and they're very straight legged i tried to sew them up myself but uh, the combined sewing prowess which isn't very much of both myself and my girlfriend were not enough to the challenge so we we took it to a, a local tailor and she did just an amazing job my my, my trousers are one of my favorites parts of the costume because when I finally after all these years had the chance to meet Sylvester McCoy the very first thing he said before Hello was your trousers are perfect
1: your trousers are perfect that's awesome
0: <laughs> I couldn't believe it he, he went his eye went straight to the pants so <laughs> I, like, well, I, I didn't know what to say after that it was beyond flattering thank you
1: yeah, no, completely. Uh, he he really is a great guy. I, you know, I've i met him a couple of times, but when I met him at TimeQuest in England, I remember he was always good about stopping anyone wearing his costume uh, to compliment them. And when I briefly had my seventh doctor on and we had our photo taken together, that, that great shot where we're fighting the, with the umbrella, um, he, uh, uh, he said, wow, great costume. I said, thanks. And we did our photo and I got up. And as I'm walking away, he just said, that is really rather good. And I'm like, hey, I got a double take from Sylvester McCoy. That's great. Nice. And then nice. He, he turned to the guy next to him getting his photo behind me, and he said, wow, well, I, I don't feel my outfit looked that ridiculous after all. And I, I doffed my hat and went away because I was like, oh. oh. my gosh.
0: That uh, is so nifty. So, yeah, Sylvester McCoy, good guy, good costume. Um, my favorite thing talking to him yeah. the one night, uh, it was um, he's he's often quoted for his dislike of the uh, of the pullover, and that has always bugged me because I actually love that part of the costume. So I wanted to ask him about it, um, but I didn't know how. Um, I, I think I decided not to in the end, but 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 the subject the subject of it came up, you know, I said, "Yeah," uh, and he he made some sort of comment that that led me into it. I was like, oh, so so you really didn't like it?" And he turns out. He he told me quite emphatically that he doesn't like that uh, that people say that because apparently he had nothing against it. He told me that he he really enjoyed the design. He didn't like it because it was scratchy. <laughs> he said it was just really uncomfortable. That was what he didn't like about it. It's like well, that's a very different uh, 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 response. I like that
1: clearly his was made of wool while our replicas are all acrylic and much easier on the skin yes indeed and i agree i know some people hate it cuz it's too that jnt question mark thing but mm-hmm. i i always kind of dug it it was a you know it is an iconic part of that costume it's hard to be the seventh doctor without it i'll say that yeah yeah
0: no i've i've always i i've i've always been on board with uh, with the question mark motif so i i thought it was great and i think i think post his first episode it works really well into the character and the sort of you know trying to catch people off guard strategy <laughs> i like it <laughs>
1: it fits definitely better with goofy season 24
0: 7 doctor for sure yeah exactly you get you get the impression that he put it on when he was mildly insane and then just decided i'm going to keep this you know because he gives that very second doctor style you know trying to lull people into thinking you're you're kind of an idiot and just too too goofy to take seriously. I, totally. I very much enjoy it. Uh,
1: I know for my own trousers, I lucked out through a member on the forum named uh, David Niguel, and uh, he uh, basically, it was a thrift store buy in England, and they read pretty well. They're a little on the, the, the grayish side. I mean, they are kind of a gray, but they're more of a brown gray. And uh, I've been looking for a better fabric. It, it's one of those pieces that I'm, I'm living with, but I'd like to upgrade. We always want to upgrade. Oh, yes. And uh, I did find a fabric that is a pretty decent match for a found fabric. The the pattern is pretty close, albeit slightly smaller. The fabric content, I'm told, is uh, slightly different. But you know, it's still a nice wool. It's a tweed wool. And it's from the same people that provided the um, Matt Smith tweeds. It's at uh, W. Bill and um unfortunately, it's really expensive, so I've held off buying it. but in the meantime I, I keep my eyes open seeing what else is out there I mean you know it's not it's not hard to give you something that has the read it's just you know if you really yeah. want to start counting you know threads, you're going to have a tough time
0: exactly yeah you know. i honestly I sincerely hope and I say this. I, with with all good humor, I sincerely hope no one ever finds that exact fabric because I do not want to make another pair of those. Or have <laughs> I, I I love mine. They're they're perfect for me. They're they're super comfy. They have the right feeling. I just hope that that's one of those fabrics that stays elusive forever because I will feel terrible if what? I have to replace those.
1: I hear you. I hear you. But again, it's it's the addiction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: I'm telling everybody on the internet: if you have some of this fabric, burn it. Oh a hey, let's not go there. favor to me. I'm joking. I don't mean it. I'm <laughs> <laughs> not actually. <laughs> condones- Please don't do that. Yeah. Who Never can- burn fabric. I was kidding.
1: Uh, yeah. Don't don't condone fabric burning. That's bad. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's talk shoes.
0: Let's get into the shoes. Oh my god, the shoes. The shoes were. <laughs> the shoes were like a living nightmare for me. They really were. For for years, I did, you know, what I think a lot of people do, which is. Uh, a good way to go I got a pair of uh, a pair of wingtips in the right design and I just painted them you know, to, to look right I had two different pairs and two different shades uh, <laughs> yeah, that I because I kept losing them But so yeah and so again the time comes when I finally am gonna upgrade and I did my usual crazy amount of research and cross-referencing I searched for those shoes literally for three years I I had the saved searches on eBay and various other things with uh, dozen different keywords to, 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 you know, they would deliver in my inbox every morning. I would spend an hour a day going through the, I went a little crazy on the shoes because they're so specific. They have that, that dark line that comes across that on, on a lot of wingtips isn't colored. And I went nuts looking for them. Um, I did a lot of research into how they were made. Originally, they were, they were nice dress shoes. And then as the show went on, they replaced them with golf shoes, which they had taken the cleats out of. Because they were infinitely cheaper, because they had been very expensive shoes. Uh, that... So I did. I, I had saved searches on golf sites. I stopped by golf retail. I went a little insane. After all this time, one day, finally, a link pays off, and I find a link to shoes that are the perfect, uh, the perfect uh, design, exactly the right kind of wingtips. Uh, the color was right. It was just the right sort of medium brown. They didn't have um, that stripe was there, but it wasn't painted. Mm-hmm. And you know because they're. There's another kind of wingtips in just the right design. It's pretty easy to find where the edges of the leather have little crenellations on them, little triangles. Um, but he didn't have those, or so I believed at the time. So I'm like, damn it. I'm going to buy these shoes. And I think I had some kind of a psychotic break. Because at that <laughs> moment, I saw them and I said, fine, $350 is fine. And I bought them. And they got here, and they were perfect, and I spent forever uh, learning to dye the leather on that little line so that it was just right. And they are the single most uncomfortable pair of shoes in the history of feet. <laughs> that, is, that, is the, that is the one thing Sylvester McCoy and I commiserated about. He was like, the shoes were so uncomfortable. Like, yes! Yes, they are! Oh,
1: wow. And while
0: I was buying those shoes... While I was buying them, I stumbled across a production photo with a close-up that showed that he did have at least one pair that had the little triangles on them, which aren't hard to find. But by <laughs> that point, I was so determined, and I, I preferred the straight line, and I was like, I'm not compromising now, damn it. So <laughs> huh. I, with
1: it. Uh, I understand how that goes. When you find what you think is it, and you've had that long search, it's just, nope, click, buy, done. Yeah, and yeah. Uh,
0: Listeners, don't be me. <laughs> no, don't do that it, it, was, it, was, it was an insane thing to do mm-hmm. uh, I, I
1: know uh, uh, it, It's funny you mention that Because the best pair of matching shoes I ever found to those Were a pair of golf shoes And I thought that makes sense I guess they could have been golf shoes And mm-hmm. I was looking at them And of course they were about that Maybe $250, 300 and I just didn't have the money at the time. I, I couldn't snap and just go buy and you know worry about it later. And I held yeah. off and I thought, well, when I get the money, I'll go back and buy them. And of course, sure enough, <laughs> yeah. a month later when I could when I could swing it, gone. Totally gone. And it's,
0: it's one of those cyclical things. I talked it, during the period when I was talking to people at shoe stores, uh, they said that, that particular pattern of uh, of wingtips, the name of which I forget now, you know, it comes into style for years and then it goes and the shoe people are, yeah, I mean with golf shoes, but it's just out right now. It'll be back in 10 years, they say.
1: Indeed. Well, there are some decent matches uh, that have been located by various members of the forum that I did link to in the breakdown. Granted, a number of them, I think, are Maybe out of season already You might already be stuck doing second hand there They're not bad I mean, there, a couple of them are very, very close Sometimes you, you're fudging a little on the shade of brown uh, There was one pair I wasn't as fond of Because the toe point I mean, this is how crazy we can get, right? The toe point mm. was a little too narrow and pointy mm-hmm. And I'm yep, like, yep. yeah, no, nope, I need it with a rounder toe And uh, so I'm living with a, a pair that certainly, again, it's got the reed uh, I like the color. I like the toe But it doesn't have that, that middle stripe you talk about So I'm... Yeah. I uh, I am about to uh prepare probably in a few months to get them custom made for the same amount of money that you spent getting yours and just oh call it goodness. call it done call it well cuz I I know Durans in LA and they're very good they did my Captain Marvel boots and my Star Trek boots and I asked them about it and they said sure no problem and I'm like okay cuz I just want it to be done <laughs>
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the feeling that I completely understand. I I ended up having to mix my own leather dye just to Mm -hmm. get the color right. I mean, it was.
1: Yeah, no, no, uh, I totally understand. The first pair I ever got was for a friend when we put together the costumes in 2007. And I had to settle on a black and white pair because they were just so much easier to find and cheaper. Um, and, again, the read is okay because no one's really – I've always believed no one really looks at your shoes mm-hmm. unless either, A, they're just as crazy about that costume as you are, or, B, you've gone really wrong with those shoes. Mm-hmm. Like, really wrong. I mean, you've got to yeah. be wearing you – know you've got to be the seventh doctor in, uh, as, as I said, glow orange moon boots or big old <laughs> white trainers or something that just – Yeah. So – uh, as long as you have some uh, two-tone spectator wingtips uh, in a brown or maybe even a black, I, I say you can you can start there and then work your way up if you want.
0: Spectator, that was the design. I could not think of it five minutes ago. Thank you. There, there you go, spectator. There you go,
1: folks. Learn something new. Indeed. Uh, so let's see. Going back over, da, 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 I guess we should talk about the hat.
0: We could do that. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think the, hat, the hat's pretty well out there. I think... Um, it's not a design that's common in the states, but it's an incredibly popular design overseas. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the 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 the, <clears throat> the the Optimo is just the name of it. Um, there are a million different websites that have them. I mean, they're all a little bit different. To find one that's exact, it takes a little research. You'll probably have to uh, to do. You may have to do a little work on it. Um, he had at least four hats. I, right. I mean, the one he he uh, evidently so the story goes that he uh, the first one was his he wore it to the audition and and they loved it um, and I know he had another one that somebody in the crew brought in that he wore a lot in the beginning which is why the hat gets a lot nicer looking because they stopped using people's used hats <laughs> by the by the end of the uh by the end of the series it was a completely I mean it was a it was a slightly darker, because it starts out almost pure white, and it becomes a cream-colored, uh, unbleached straw by the end of the series with a, with, a very, with a slightly shorter brim and a much more severe curve. I think they had both versions, because a snap brim, for anybody who doesn't know, a snap brim is the name for a, a brim that is stiff enough and short enough that you can pop it from the downward position into the upward position, and it, it, it holds itself there. Mm-hmm. I think a couple of them were actually snap brims. I believe the season 25 one was um but i i'm not i have no proof of this but i think at least one of them was custom molded that's what i ended up having to do i finally found a hat that i was very happy with because panama hats are one of those things where if you want to you can spend five thousand dollars on them oh yeah um and the nicest ones or so the the myth has it the nicest ones are the crushable ones like the fifth doctor had which you can uh, which you can fold and roll up with a very fine fine grade of weave and according to every hat uh, uh, every actual haberdasher i've ever talked to those things are they're wonderful but their their infinite rollable qualities are kind of a myth apparently they will all lose their shape eventually
1: yes i've heard that too
0: uh, i i used to want one badly because i love the way the fifth doctor rolled his up and put it in his pocket but uh, my dad got one and and it it lost its shape within a couple of weeks which is just sort of sad
1: now i seem to remember that well i mean look this was a cheap show I mean, they they couldn't spend that much on these things, you know. I mean, exactly. yeah, yeah. And I know that I've I'm lived with that slightly darker season twenty six look, um, but I've been meaning to get another ah, the upgrade quality. Uh, I've been meaning <laughs> to get uh, a lighter colored one, and I know that um, I also want to get one with a slightly shorter brim, uh, which I guess on average for those hats should be around two and a half inches. Am I right? Yes. Uh, I do know that, uh, yeah, the, it's sometimes listed as uh, a colonial hat. Sometimes it's just an Optimo or Optimo Colonial. So yeah. all I know is I, I look for that funky uh, center ridge that it has that you're right. It's
0: hard to find in the States, but thankfully with the Internet, you can find it fairly easily online. Looking back in, through history, it blows my mind. That I found that one when I was a kid. <laughs> yes. And it was, I remember people, uh, uh, there were some amazing Seventh Doctor costumers back when he was still on the air, but every one of them had tried to make their hat out of something. They, they'd sewn it up in fabric or they, they'd they bashed together with some other because they just couldn't find it. And here I am going, well, I just went to the store and found one.
1: When I was in um, uh, high school... And I was in just Doctor Who fever and this is right during like, look, my doctor is Tom Baker, but I had a two year period where I would have told you Sylvester McCoy was my doctor. And this was between 92 and 94. And uh, I had to do an oral uh, presentation uh, in my English class and you had freedom to kind of do what you wanted with it as long as the information was there. And the teacher would give you extra points if you could actually make it entertaining. (laughs) <laughs> so for the uh, the end of semester, end of the year one, um, I'd done the first one in the style of Holly from Red Dwarf where I talked nice. to myself on screen. Yeah, I didn't actually say it was Red Dwarf, but I totally was doing Red Dwarf. And for the second one, I just I just went all out and I made it a seventh doctor story um, about um, pop art. It was all about pop art and Andy Warhol and stuff. so it was the doctor and Bernice because this was right in the era of the new adventure and uh, traveling to uh, the 60s to you know find out why all of pop art is vanishing and of course the the culprits behind it were the gods of Ragnarok! Ah. So, yeah, it was it was it was really fun because, you know, yes, I did some luxury parts, but then there were other parts where I would work in the exposition with the doctor's dialogue. And so for my costume, I did I did kind of a that very loose interpretation of the new adventure look, which was, you know, that cream suit with a funky tie. Um, And I think I added a vest and it wasn't look no points for accuracy, but it was meant to just get the feel of the doctor. Um, for the hat though, I had found, uh, it wasn't a purely accurate Optimo hat. It was more of a fedora pinch, but it was a, uh, you know, Panama hat at a store with a snap brim. The brim was beautiful. I miss that brim. And, uh, I remember, um, I used the hat as an indicator of whether or not I was going into, okay, lecture mode. Okay. We're back to the doctor story and I'm going to continue the plot. And, uh, yeah, no, I remember a lot of people really liked it, even people that were not fans of Doctor Who. And remember, in 1994, Doctor Who was not (laughs) well-liked by the public. (laughs) <laughs> I was laughed at far too many times for liking this show by anybody who vaguely remembered it on PBS. And the fact that I could get people vaguely interested and you know coming up to me later saying, so, so can I borrow some of those tapes? And I'm like, whoa. So mission accomplished on two levels. So anyway, yeah, I, I, had done, nice. I had done that first hat and I remember how much I liked the snap brim. But then conversely, with all the hats I've had since then, I think I'm on like my third hat now, uh, I've noticed none of them do. They're all that sl- uh, soft, uh, floppy, uh, brim, And I always I say this in the breakdown. I'll say it again. It's an easy thing to fix. All you do is uh, wet or steam the brim and it will naturally curl into position. And then to hold it there, you can let it dry and it'll be OK. Uh, but just hit it with some hat stiffener and then you're good to go.
0: Um,
1: so let's talk a little bit about his props before we wrap up seven. Uh, obviously, the most iconic is the question mark handled umbrella. Yes. Um, boy, oh, boy. Uh, I... I I feel kind of bad for anybody who had to put this thing together back in the day, because what were the options back then on this?
0: (laughs) I've seen a lot of them made out of uh, just out of clay that Uh has been hardened. Like, people used a lot of FIMO and hardened it. I've seen people who've carved them out of wood. Yep. Uh, Mm -hmm. I've seen people who got lucky and found um, there were one or two molds back in the 80s for a question mark handle that a few different umbrella manufacturers used. And those were the ones, if you got lucky enough to find one of those incredibly rare umbrellas, they were the way to go. I remember when I was so happy when the BBC introduced theirs because I thought, um, you know, for a while there, there was that replica, and I thought, hey, this is going to be great, and then I saw it, and it's it's not... It, it has some advantages over the old... Um, the question mark that you could find in the '80s, if you were lucky, but it's not perfect, and it's not—it's—it's it's wrong enough that I—I I didn't even bother buying one.
1: Yeah, that was the one that was available in the mid-late '90s through the Who shop and stuff like that, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yep, that's it, the one.
1: I—I didn't—I wasn't aware of it when it was being sold. Uh, I had a few years where I got too busy with college, and Doctor Who was a very big back burner part of my life. College, I know. Higher education. Well, know. There's
0: costuming to be done. I know. I know.
1: I well, I was doing other costuming in a sense back then, but just not Doctor Who, but uh, I didn't even know about it till years later when it, they weren't available anymore. I've seen photos and I've, I've heard reviews that, you know, decent but kind of flimsy is the general consensus I get from it. And
0: Yeah. Uh, they added details that weren't present on screen, which was, I guess, well-intentioned but strange. Like, they painted the uh, the little umbrella tips, the tiny little, the ends of the spokes that, that when the umbrellas in the folded position are up there by the ball of the question mark. They painted those red for some reason. Hmm. They were never like that.
1: Hmm. Interesting. Uh, I know that uh, there's a couple of question mark-esque umbrellas that uh, occasionally get marketed that you can find online that work as, a would say, a starter, uh, but they probably need repainting. A friend of mine, actually, uh, the first umbrella I ever used was, I guess, a promotional umbrella put up by Guess, and it was a question mark handle. Um, They might have put one out in the proper color. I seem to know some people that seem to have found them in the right colors, but this one had a black handle with a red canopy, so I had to reverse, I had to do a paint job on it to reverse the colors and once I did it looked great I, it didn't open well after that it's all coated with paint but uh, who, who really opens the umbrella often anyway right
0: <laughs> you have no idea how happy you're, it makes me hear you say that I had exactly almost exactly the same experience I had a friend who uh, came to school one day I was a, like a middle schooler she was a high schooler and I, uh, she had this Weird umbrella. The canopy was black and white and a hundred different patterns. You know, it was just weird checks and splatters and things. But the handle was a black question mark. And I begged her to borrow it, and still have it to this day. Oh, there you I, go. No, no. She finally, she finally wrote me and said, you know, you can keep it. It's a gift to you because i had been <laughs> feeling guilty about it for years. But no way was I giving it back. Mm-hmm. I painted it. I painted it red, uh, and then I spray painted the canopy black. That is exactly what I did. And yeah. for years it was like that. And then I finally, years later, transferred it to a real black umbrella. Um, and it has been my constant campaign. It's my actual, I take it out, it's my umbrella. The decision to replace it has not been an easy one.
1: <laughs> we do get attached to her. I find that's kind of strange. You get used to a particular version of a costume. And even though you know the next piece is more accurate, there's a good chunk of the time I still miss the older piece because I just got used to it. I got comfortable with it.
0: Yeah, exactly. I remember I borrowed... Uh, Cecil did those amazing umbrellas mm-hmm. uh, and I borrowed one last year because I managed to leave my umbrella in Florida when I went up for Dragon Con and uh, luckily a friend had his with him and I, I borrowed it and it's only about a half inch higher than mine but it screwed me up all day I've been, <laughs> I've been using that thing as a cane for so many years at conventions that trying to walk with it I was like, it's, what's wrong with this?
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The uh, It seems to me that if you're not going to make your own Uh, all you can really do is kind of modify it. And uh, luckily there have been these great group runs that uh, Cecil, a.k.a. Doctor Who Jr., uh, he did a whole bunch there in 2010. He did one follow-up last year. Uh, CCP on the RPF did one, and I'm in the middle of organizing the current one right now, uh, which is all essentially based on not only Cecil's great work, and he has a great, by the way, uh, Cecil has a fantastic YouTube tutorial on how to make your own question mark handle umbrella uh, that you,
0: tutorial is incredible.
1: Yes. Uh, I link to it in the breakdown, but you can also find it in a YouTube search. Um, just look up Seventh Doctor Umbrella, and I'm sure you'll find it. And all of this really was based on the met- methodology that my friend Brian um, came up with, with his question mark handle umbrella. And he did like a short and a long version. And uh, it's actually one of these that we're using as the the base for this group run, although we're obviously making some adjustments based on the
0: measurements that you gave me. Yes, uh, I, I had spent a long time... Because I figured if I'm ever going to replace my beloved umbrella, it's gonna it's gonna have to be perfect.
1: Uh, Chris and John will probably uh, correct me on this. Uh, they're the owners of some of the original uh, Seventh Doctor um, items, and they uh, told me that um, I believe there was three or four original umbrellas, and one, of course, was done just for stunt work, like you know when he slides down in Remembrance of the Daleks on the mm-hmm. line to the Dalek shuttle, and uh, the the others had some slight differences in terms of the spacing between the ball and the question mark, and uh, yeah. Whether or not the yeah. pins went into the ball or not, yeah, that kind of thing.
0: Yeah. In in my insane cross referencing, I managed to I managed to the number I came up with of umbrellas was four, so I'm glad to hear that.
1: Yes, yeah, so th- there you have it. Um, it's always I,
0: nice to have confirmation of my craziness. <laughs>
1: Uh, and um, anyway, yeah, so if you're not part of the group run or, or you, you haven't uh, picked one up, and sometimes they show up secondhand. I know that there is a website that sells them, although I don't know if they still are. They seem to kind of go in and out of whether or not they're supplying anymore. But it was something like DoctorWhoUmbrellas.com or something like that. It's Again, it's on the breakdown, but uh, and they're U.K.-based. They tend to go for about $110 U.S., um, and that's roughly the price of one on the group run as well. And I've seen them go for as high as three hundred on eBay when I see custom made ones. So um, I'd like to think it's a deal myself. But uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, no. So that that run is finishing uh, up right now, and if it goes well, we uh, we might do some more. Uh, that's a run, of course, that uh, Wonder Squid. Uh, from the RPF and I are, are, uh, are doing right now Actually it was partly motivated because uh, Three people didn't end up getting their umbrellas From one of the last runs and I felt really bad About that even though I don't physically make them um, I wanted to make sure to kind of do right by them So, I saw that, that was really nice Yes, yeah, so, you know, you all for one One for all in the Cosmic community, right?
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's good to hear Yeah, yeah, I, I'm very excited about that I was going to ask you about that uh, Off the recording just Because you said he hasn't uh, Hasn't gotten to them yet? Uh, all the materials and umbrella
1: bodies have been purchased. Uh, it's just a matter of, of sitting down and starting the process. I'm sorry. And the mold has been made, the, the, made, the master. Uh, we, we're going to make some adjustments to it to fit the measurements that you gave me to make it more accurate. And then from there, uh, spit out some handles, paint them up and uh, attach them
0: to some umbrellas. I'm so excited. Yeah. I cannot tell you. That's my big <laughs> upgrade this year. That's my, my one big costume purchase. Well, I say one. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, you say one. I know for a fact it's not. Uh, (laughs) After I just (laughs) – that that came at the worst time for me. That's why I was so late because I I was so excited to see those Fourth Doctor shirts because I've always wanted one. And I said yes, I want one right away. And then I realized I didn't have the money, but I mm-hmm. couldn't. I wasn't going to back out. I was like, "All right, I'm going to make this happen."
1: Well, it always it good timing. Not that we'll never do another run. I never say never on these runs. It all it always comes down to demand. But with the Tom Baker shirts, I know based on schedule and other projects and such in the pipeline, uh, we wouldn't visit a third run probably till next spring. So you'd be waiting a while. I'm yeah. glad to hear
0: it.
1: Okay, so uh, I think we talked about the question mark handle umbrella now we did yes and uh, a little a little on some of the other little side props maybe the uh, the pocket watch or I know the the wrist watch is basically like a a vintage style a gold barrel watch and you can find uh, you know decent matches to that on eBay whether you get it um, you know actual vintage or vintage style so that's you know not too hard of a find and the uh, what is it the pocket watch you want to talk a little about that
0: Sure, sure. Yeah, I, I, I've always loved that prop. Um, I, I At some point, three years ago, when I thought everything was done on the costume, I, I decided I would uh, carry on by making all the props he ever had on screen. So, <laughs> um, I mean, I think people know pretty much the deal with the um, with the pocket watch. It's uh, Casio Twin Graph, Twin Graph 2, is it? Yes. Um, which, you know, they go occasionally for... Uh, for a decent amount of money, but not exorbitant on eBay, and they're they're really easy. You have to you have to pry the whole thing apart when you get it because I um, a couple of years ago, like I said, when I decided to do this prop, I went to a friend of mine who has a laser cutter, and we sat down together, and I, I had all the measurements, and we made some pocket watch faces. Uh, this is the black face that has the the buttons and the bars on it. just the, the sort of technological looking face that goes on top of the gutted casio that sits underneath it mm-hmm. and i i i made the buttons i sculpted the buttons and we cast them and and i i just made one for myself and i'm very happy with it and and i've made a couple for people now um, because i've I've got the cad file and i've got the the master mold for the buttons um so anytime somebody wants one i can you know pop one out but they it's 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 a fun little prop because it's functional and you can just Hold it and really sort of experience what it's like to use it. We um, really need to talk about that
1: face because I've got all my other components who's sitting here going like, yeah, that's another thing I got to finish because I've lived with a regular
0: standard gold pocket watch just to have one, but it doesn't have all those you know the neat doodads. Yep, yep. Well, my plan is to have them uh, finished um, either just before or just after DragonCon. I'm actually meeting with uh, my friend with who has the uh, the mold um, cool. next week. So. Cool. Cool. I'm I'm kind of upgrading a little bit, which uh, which is always tricky because I. I uh, <clears throat> you know, I felt like it was great before, and I, you know, I've sold one or two of them, and then I'm upgrading it. So I feel awkward about that. It's not a huge upgrade. The buttons are just a little bit more perfect. You know, they were one of them was a little bit off round, and now it's perfectly round. So it's not anything anybody would ever notice. But I feel good about it. Um, the 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 case is tricky because people always want, you know, like we talked about, you want exactly the right thing, and there really is no exactly the right one because the case design is an incredibly popular case. Throughout, you know, the decades, it's it's just it's a classical image of a hunter with dogs in the in a wooded area, right. and God knows where the original design came from, but it has been copied and reproduced so many hundreds of times that um, you're going to find six or seven of them on eBay anytime you look. Trying to find one that's exactly like his would take some doing because the differences in, in them, uh, they're pretty subtle. Sometimes the detail's a little more crisp. Sometimes it's it's uh, it's a little more shallow. Uh, sometimes you'll see where someone decided to replace one of the bushes with a tree, <laughs> something like that. Uh, plus, of course, not having access to the original prop, just the, even now having it in, on, on HD, or not HD, but even now having it on DVD, very crisp screenshots of the original, you still can't see part of the case. So you're not sure what the design is, On the lower part of it where his hand is blocking it because you can see you know there are bushes down there but you can't see how many that kind of thing but in the end it doesn't really matter i guess the upshot is if you're trying to make it don't worry too much about finding the right case that's what i'm going for as long as you get the hunter with dogs image you can paint it to look just right uh the original one best i can tell was gold uh it has silver on it but it was not as far as i can tell and i believe this it was it was a gold case that had silver painted onto it rather than being a dual metallic case because the silver in the screenshots is really highly reflective much more reflective than it would have been if it were actually silver
1: do you have a paint recommendation for people
0: I um I'd have to get back to you on that I tested I tested five or six different silvers and I found the one that was the palest but I'm not sure what the brand was I can get back to you but it's it's um it's tucked away in a box somewhere right now
1: well, I know uh, there's been two pretty cool um, replica builds on this on uh, both the RPF and Gallifrey base um, that can be found if you search those forums that uh, has some neat pictures for reference. And they, they talk a bit about how they put it together. Um, but uh, yeah, no. And to be honest, this is actually a cool arts and crafts kind of projects. that once you have the watch and once you have the Casio or something even similar to the Casio, uh, you can go to town just trying to repurpose parts, you know, from, you know, your junk drawer or Michaels or something and, and approximate some kind of a look at two, if
0: you don't have access to the, the plate you came up with. It's, did, I didn't know there were a couple of, uh, of builds on those. I want, I'd like to take a look at them. Did they use, did they use metal for the, for the bars, or did they use, uh, metal for the plastic?
1: Um, it was, yeah, again, it was all kind of odds and ends. It, it looks like it was kind of a mixture. Um,
0: yeah, Rifty. I would, I would definitely go take a look and, uh, remind me if you can't find it, I'll send you the links. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah, I'd love to. I love seeing stuff like that. Um, it's always nice. Um, but yes, uh, uh, in answer to the question that is totally irrelevant to this podcast, I, I should have yours done very soon because I'm upgrading mine for Dragon Con. And if mine's done, then the others are done. <laughs> awesome.
1: Uh, now, a little on uh, the watch chain, which it's a little thing, but I think it adds a lot of character. Yes. Um, now, it's, uh, it's silver with the, um, it's called, I think, like a snake chain because it's not like an actual uh, ringlet chain. It's almost like a cord
0: yeah, it's a smooth. Yeah, it's it's not it's not uh, links. It's it's a smooth. I think snake chain is what it's called. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and it's got the um, oh, what do you call it? It's got the, the watch hook on the front that he hooks onto the, um, lapel. But I don't know. Was it always meant for that? I always assumed it was actually meant for like a belt loop, and it just got repurposed for him that way.
0: I don't think so. I think it was um, when I bought mine. It was it was listed as a buttonhole clip. Oh, okay,
1: never mind, but it has a nice uh, a cool shape, and actually uh, you'll find similar chains usually for sale with said watches on eBay, and even if you have to buy a separate watch just to get a better chain, I'm guilty of that, um, uh, go ahead and do it, because usually these watches are, are dirt cheap, I mean they're they're like you know $5 or less usually, and they come from Canada or China or whatnot. So um, yeah, and I know that they come in gold or silver, and uh, actually the one that I have, Uh, I liked it so much, I never found a silver one that was just right, I just painted this gold one silver. There you go, (laughs) that works.
0: So there there you have that. Um, Yeah, my my girlfriend, God love her, is, is every bit as obsessive as I am, and when she's hunting for a present for somebody, she goes crazy, and she found me the perfect snake chain, and it took her a very long time.
1: Yeah, again, these little things you think are so common and and they can be hard to find. Um, But no, uh, again, it's actually, this isn't too, too bad. You can find, and I know initially I lived with uh, like a regular linked chain that was silver that, look, you know what? It has a good read. You stand five feet back, it's a chain that's on your lapel. You know, it, it is what it is. So, um, but yeah, no, uh, I think that's most of the major stuff. Is there any other props that you want to talk about that were more irregular, like the, the tracker in battlefield or, um...
0: <laughs> I never thought about that one. Now I have another one to make. Woo-hoo. Uh,
1: yeah, well, it's cause I made one, although I don't, I don't bust it out too much anymore, but yeah, I made mine from a uh, cheap flashlight, a solo cup, um, a used car antenna from my old car that, uh, has sadly died a quiet death. And um, a styrofoam ball coated in resin.
0: Nice. Yeah, yeah. I like it. A few uh, years back, I decided everybody, I think, who was collecting Doctor Who in the mid-90s probably got the uh, the Daypole replica of the Seven Doctors calling card, which, who was it that had that? Um, I don't remember who it was. It was distributing those. It was it was a specific retailer. They had planned it for mass release, but it never made it. So that they sent a, a fairly impressive number to one of these retailers, who gave them out to the, their subscribers.
1: Oh,
0: wow, that was the one from Remembrance, right, with the gold question mark? Exactly. Okay. Yeah. And I love that. It's 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 a little plastic replica of the calling card. And I decided I didn't want to risk carrying that one around with me. So one year I made, I this was just for fun for DragonCon. I made t- like twenty five little copies of it with. I just cut them out of. Uh, uh, of poster board And I I Penciled the details on And then I inked them And, and then I I used red wax And I cut the gold I mean I, I made the whole thing I was very proud of it And, and I just uh, Handed them out to people At Dragon Con That was the most fun I've ever had
1: <laughs> That is really awesome Gosh now I feel like Oh now I gotta get One of those and...
0: um, I, I think I'm sure They're on eBay I mean Yeah I feel like I should Say more about that But no I'm sure I I I, I just assumed That everybody had them um, because these, this one retailer, they, weren't, they were not, uh, they were not uh, careful with them. They just sent them out. Mm-hmm. I wish I could remember who they were. But, um, yes, yeah, so I'm sure you can find one on eBay. shouldn't be a problem.
1: I'll keep an eye out. Uh, let's see. The, uh, the only other significant prop I can think of to talk about would be the TARDIS key because he has a very particular one.
0: Yeah, and I actually can't talk about that on the record because I was sworn to secrecy by Mike Tucker. <laughs> <laughs> well, in general
1: terms, it's it's the uh, Rassilon Seal Art Deco looking key. It's, it's really a, a neat design. I'm really sad they didn't use it more often.
0: I love that thing.
1: Um, and uh, there are replicas available um, uh, both through the RPF and... Uh, ebay uh come up from time to time i just got one through mooncrest models and it's beautiful it's a great piece i had the previous one made out of bronze uh which had you know some slight differences but they're both great um they're well worth getting if you're a seventh doctor fan and uh yeah that's all i can really say about that i don't think there's an officially licensed
0: version of it no never likely to be but i that's one of those things where you look at it and you think my god season 27 was going to be really interesting like just the visual way they were taking the show, mm-hmm. I I love the look of that prop. Yep, at least it's pretty easily had, and it'll
1: it'll only run you twenty five to forty bucks. Um, yeah,
0: they are copious replicas, and they're
1: all really lovely. Yes, very, very lovely indeed. And uh, there was some nice information that came out about that key uh, when it went to auction. So I know some of the later replicas are, are really, really nice. They've, they've been improved, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's most of The Seventh Doctor. Uh, I'm not going to touch too much on the TV movie variant or the New Adventures variant. Um, I do get a little into that, into the breakdown. Uh, but maybe another day we, we can go there. All I can say is uh, I know a lot of the TV movie costume. Uh, some pieces of it were off the rack, believe it or not. Really? Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's a a neat thing. And luckily, that's also a fairly easy-ish one to assemble if you're not too particular on details. You know, a red vest and a tweed jacket and all that. Actually, if you think about it, he started the tweed thing before Matt Smith. It's
0: true. It's true.
1: So, Andy, tell me what you feel. (laughs) It's...
0: I feel hungry, Bob.
1: Oh, Oh, you feel hungry. Okay. Um, Yeah, that's right. It's almost dinner time. I feel hungry, too. Tell me what your uh, best experience has been in costume, and conversely, what your worst experience has been in costume.
0: That is tricky. That is tricky, especially the worst experience, because, I mean, there's some bad experiences, but they're all really depressing stories. No one wants to hear them. Well, even funny or embarrassing can qualify as (laughs) worse. I'm trying to think of a funny one, (laughs) Uh, best experience? I'm gonna. Uh, this was years ago, unsurprisingly, at DragonCon. Con. Uh, for a while there, they had the masquerade in the Atlanta Civic Center, which is, as you can imagine, this is an enormous venue. And it was packed, and we were all waiting for the masquerade, and I was sent to get refreshments, you know, up at the snack bar before. Before the show started, and the show's going to start in like 10 seconds, so I'm running. And I'm just in a good mood, Uh, and I'm goofing around, and I always had a real affinity for The Seventh Doctor's physical comedy Mm -hmm. that that, that he played up a lot in the first seasons. And um, not thinking that the lobby was full of people, I just just amusing myself I, I make a mad dash for the snack bar and I do just some goofy Sylvester McCoy Sylvester McCoy style acrobatics you know like pretending I've lost my balance and trying to regain it and by the time I arrived at the snack bar I heard this little smattering of applause come up from behind me <laughs> and I turned around and there's a bunch of people watching the goofy seventh doctor uh, and that was the most flattering thing ever because I, I felt for that moment that I had really gotten to embody the character that's I think that's my favorite costume experience
1: that sounds fantastic. Yeah,
0: all about selling the character. Least so, uh, worst costume experience? I don't, I don't know. I don't have any funny worst costume experiences. Well, I, uh, I, I, how about this? This one is this one is okay. I got one. I, I wouldn't call it my worst because it also vies for my best because of the context. But it was a Halloween story. I had worked really hard on a costume for Halloween that I thought was this was in college that I thought was really terrifying. It was this sort of goblin. Thing. I had this black duster coat and this huge black hat, and I had worked up. I had a chin prosthetic and cheek prosthetics, and it was this sort of gray, strange, ghoulish thing. And I was on the way out of my dorm to go trick-or-treating, because, yes, I was trick-or-treating in college. And there was this little kid. I had I had made these hands out of, out of sticks, and there was this little kid... Uh, with his mom and I, I, I leaned over just to spook her a little bit and I made a scary face and she started crying. Oh. I made a young girl cry, which, you know, it's like yay, that's a really effective costume and it's Halloween and it's scary, but oh I made a child cry. <laughs> so, <laughs> there you go.
1: So, mission accomplished but almost too much.
0: Exactly. Mm. Um, so, what would be your number one tip for beginning cosplayers? Number one tip is just just do it and have fun with it. Don't let the costumes out there that are so perfect and people have hammered away on or spent lots of money on or really worked at. Don't let them intimidate you. Just put it together and it's, and, and have fun with it. If you want to be the Fourth Doctor, go find a brown coat and a multicolored towel and wrap it around your neck and do it if you want to. <laughs> it, it's 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 just the experience of it. Don't don't get intimidated. Just have fun and. Put it together. And if you feel like upgrading it later, upgrade it later or don't. It'll be fun. What would you say? You know, I
1: and I totally agree with that, by the way. But what would you say? What would you say is the most eye opening tip you've learned as you've been progressing in your skills and in your research that you would pass on to anyone to help give them a shortcut?
0: I would say, and this is not just costume, with, with, with a lot of creative endeavors, if you're trying to duplicate something that already exists, like a costume, don't be shy about contacting the person who made it in the first place. Uh, it seems hard to do. You think, you know, there's this, he uh, was you know, 30 years ago, and the costume designer, he's moved on, he's got other things, and he's this sort of... You know, he's, he's sort of iconic figure. You can't contact them. There's that invisible line between you and the people on the production. But most of the time, I find they're really friendly and open. You can just, if you're able to send them an email and say, I'd like to know more about this costume. And you may, you may get back a portfolio of photographs and, and make a new friend.
1: Uh, no, that's totally yeah. right, actually. Uh, I, I've met a few uh, of the behind-the-scenes folks, and they are amazingly cool and generous with their information and their time. And uh, I know a few other people uh, in realms outside of Doctor Who who, by you know, both a bit of chance and luck, managed to contact the uh, costume designers behind said shows. And it led to a cornucopia of information out there that has only helped everybody else. So you're right. You're totally right. Yeah, especially with Doctor Who. I mean, the people are so approachable. They're, it's such a family atmosphere. Oh, completely, completely. Especially, you know, I find that, um, certainly with new series, but uh, the classic series as well, it's almost like they're they're flattered to get the attention. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, uh, let's see. What costume projects are you working on right now?
0: I have I have been slowly accumulating bits and pieces of other costumes, and they'll probably all be done right around the same time. I've got a Marty McFly I'm working on. I've got a, a Ghostbusters uniform that I'm putting together, which is a lot of fun. Because um, I'm I'm five six. I'm not one of those costumers who, uh, who thinks oh you have to be the right height or the right weight or anything to do it. But I'm keenly aware of my height sometimes. So I think there's only a few costumes that I can wear. You know, I can pull off Marty or the Second Doctor and the Seventh Doctor. I don't encourage other people to think like this, but I, I always you know am conscious of it. Um, but I'm putting together a few. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, no, I, I know. I know you mentioned a few of them. They all sounded like really cool projects. Last year, I I, I put together a lifelong dream. I put together a Gomez Adams costume that was inspired by the, <clears throat> pardon me, it was inspired by the actual Charles Adams strips, rather than by the show or the movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, which which I mean, apart from being, you know, a pinstripe double-breasted suit, the weirdest part of Gomez's look from the strips is his hair. He has this very strange. Sort of almost flat head. Well, actually, it's almost perfectly spherical head. But on top, it's kind of flattened, and there's no hair on the sides. It's just this weird. So I spend forever um, making this wig um, out of other wigs and a bald cap, so that to to do that. And I love the heck out of that costume.
1: That's awesome. That is totally awesome. Uh, Doctor Who wise. Any other doctors or monsters on the plate?
0: I'm putting together like I'm putting together a fifth and a second and a an eighth and a first. You know, I just sort of slowly work on them. And of course, I have. The world's longest running uh, group run, <laughs> the <laughs> night, the the, the infamous Sutec run. Yes, I am not even, but I'm. It's not so much a costume for me as just an item that, that that I wanted to have and I wanted other people to have. And mm-hmm. I I put this together for a panel that I was doing at a, a great little Atlantic convention called Timegate, um, where we did the twenty five thousand dollars pyramids of Mars, and I just wanted to have Sutec as a host. And I I had put together. What I thought was a really good mask, um, and it was, yeah, it was 90% done. I wasn't going to do anything with it, but by the time I got to the end, I was like, this is pretty good. If anybody wants a copy of this, I'll be happy to, to do it. And I, I Famous uh, last you, I, words. Yeah. I came to you and I said, hey, I've got this. You want to do a group run? It'll be done in a couple of months. And you said, sure. And was it you who put me in touch with the guys? Yeah. Yeah, you say, well, I've got I, I know guys who have uh, you know one pulled from the original mall. I said, oh, that's great. If there are any little tweaks I need to make, and they sent me all, they so kindly sent me all the measurements and photos I could ever want, and I discovered that my measurements were badly off because a lot of the pictures from Pyramids of Mars are distorted. Mm-hmm. Even a couple of the couple of them were even filmed with what seems to be a fisheye lens. So. The proportions were way off. The middle was 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 bulging wrong, and the top tapered too much. And so I sat down and I thought, all right, well, this is a problem because I've already started this run. I'm gonna I'm gonna, but I, if I'm gonna do it, you know, I want these people to have the perfect replica. So I sit down to duplicate not just the shape, but all the all the little you know the mistakes, not mistakes, but the things you know, the original sculptor. It's not perfectly symmetrical. The things that you get with a handmade item, and. Uh, it has just been (laughs) the longest lasting project. I would never have solicited it unless I thought I was just nearly done, ready to go in the mold, which it was. But... to do it properly, <clears throat> I have been sculpting this thing for about a year now mm-hmm. because I can't afford to put that much to put all that time into it because it is enormous. I mean, this helmet doesn't even rest on the actor's shoulders. If you look at the pictures or if you watch the episode, you can see it's actually resting on a really high collar. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, the mask is over two feet high, uh, even even with a foam core as the replica I've got. It's it's used block after block after block of really very expensive clay, and um, every time I work on it, it just gets a little bit bigger. And it's getting close to done now. Like, I, the, the sculpt is very close to done. I want to have it done by the new year, but I keep having to put it aside so I can do commissions that pay the bills. You know, Sure, like right now, sure. I've got two or three sculptures going on, so I'll, I'll put, like, two months of fierce, like, concentrated effort into it. Then I'll have to say, okay, you incredibly patient, wonderful people who have paid me for this and want your masks – I have to put it aside for a couple of more months now while I do, you know, something else. I'm really sorry. And well, they, the people on the run have been so patient and I love them for that. They have indeed. At least, uh, you know,
1: luckily this wasn't a terribly expensive run. You've been good with updates and, you know, uh, I'm sure it'll be amazing when it actually comes to fruition.
0: I, I hope so. I'm very happy with it. I mean, it's, it takes up an enormous amount of space in my studio because it's so huge. And it, I promise you guys, if any of you are listening, it's going to be great. Thank you for your patience. Uh, uh, I don't know what else to say because they've they've been so understanding, and I just I don't want anybody to think I was like I'm gonna do this, but I yeah it's a casual thing, and I don't really care. No, it's it's been some seriously intense. I put this much effort into a sculpt in phew, years. <laughs> So I just want people to know I'm still here, and I promise I'll keep updating. And the damn thing will be finished soonish.
1: Awesome. Yeah, you know I think this brings up a good point that no matter how good your reference material is and how many screenshots you have, nothing beats having uh, access or uh, information taken directly from the original proper costume. It's
0: true. Mm-hmm. It's true. The thing it's it's funny looking at the pictures because it's it's that the original helmet is actually quite lopsided. <laughs> <laughs> because you, you, I'm building it and I've got the um, I call them the wings. Obviously they're supposed to be you know, the ears on the side, the very Egyptian style um, but I've been working with this thing so long I've got my own nicknames for different parts of it. Right now I've got the wings on mine disconnected and with them on you can't see the lopsidedness. With them off you're like, wow the left side's a lot bigger than the right side. <laughs>
1: This actually brings up a, a good point that came up, you know, on DW Cosplay recently, and that is, if you do see such a mistake or something that looks definitely off on an original piece, do you replicate said mistake to keep the authenticity and accuracy of it, or do you fix the mistake to idealize it?
0: Yeah, that's always the debate. I remember I asked when we started doing the who Techron said, like, do you guys want me to to, to, to try and you know, make it more symmetrical to, to produce the idealized version? And everybody said no. They all wanted it with uh, warts and all, which I've actually is a lot more fun to do. Oh, yeah. It's a lot but- more challenging because when you're replicating something and you have license to change it a little bit, it takes a heck of a lot less time because you're not constantly measuring it against the original. But yeah, I know they did a Darth Vader run just recently. Not a run, but an actual licensed Vader product where they had the idealized version and then the studio version that you could buy. And the studio version was, I think, much more expensive.
1: Yeah, yeah, I hear you. I, I, I've always said it just comes down to preference and what you want to do with that costume, basically. I mean, that's a yeah. short answer.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I could be wearing Sylvester McCoy's exact sweater, but it would be two inches too short for me.
1: Right. No, no, completely.
0: Yeah. Oh, I forget which.
1: And, and, and many times original costume pieces fade, so it may not look quite right now than it
0: did then. You know? Yeah, I mean, you get the issue of things that were made in black and white. You get, you get the option to choose what color to make. The, the original TARDIS console was painted green, as everybody knows, so that the prop would look right in black and white. You make your replica, do you want it to be green? <laughs> do you want it to be the white that you know they intended it to be? It's exactly. Just, Whatever you think is best.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, So what would you say your most challenging costume is or or is currently
0: or was? Uh, My most challenging costume? Well, I've been working on Sylvester McCoy since 1987. That one counts. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't know. I don't know. Most challenging. I don't know. They're they're such fun projects. Um, I I guess the most challenging piece I've ever put together is freaking Sutec. Just okay. Because of the time, but I, I don't know. I don't really look at it like that because it's it's so much fun to do. Knowing for me, knowing that I've got ten hours of sanding, you know, just on a little block of wood, and I've got to do this ten hours. It's annoying, but it's so much fun to do, and it's so satisfying that I don't I don't look at it as a challenge. I look at it as a challenge, not like a frustrating. Like, ah, I wish I didn't have to do this style challenge. Does that uh, make
1: sense? No, 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 completely, completely. Uh, I was actually going to ask uh, th- this is two other sort of more uh, you know, pullback questions uh, that I like to ask. And that is one um, this is something that Meta and I had talked about um, the term cosplay versus costuming. <laughs> where do you see yourself? And, oh and do you even see a difference? <laughs>
0: Oh, my God. Um, I'm afraid I'm going to alienate a lot of people with this answer, but I, I, I hate the word cosplay so much. <laughs> so much. And I know, like, I feel like a snob. It's, I just can't take it. The hobby was called costuming for so so many decades, and then this this abbreviation comes along. I think it's great as a word referring to you know um, specifically anime and manga and styled you know Japanese costuming, and it's it's more it's more about the costume, but. It, more than just the costume but it's also about being that character and i think it's it's fun in that context but when it expanded to mean any kind of enjoying yourself in a costume Mm -hmm. i just feel like the english language suffered for that (laughs) and that maybe because of my background in english or the fact that my mom's an english teacher but it's like i crusade against that word i'm sorry (laughs) I, you know, I, I
1: wasn't big on it either when it was first starting to be used Uh, in my uh, neck of the woods, or at least amongst my friends, I didn't really, I mean, I first heard it in the early 2000s, but in terms of it going outside of anime and going to everything, I would say it was around 2003 or 2004 for me. And
0: I was like, oh, that'll never stick. And here we are, you know. And now if you want to look up something online, if you use the word costume, you end up with sort of cheaper, you know, mass market stuff if you want to look for the nice stuff you have to type in cosplay which is like acid <laughs> on my fingers every time I'm sorry well okay. at least
1: at least I'm, I'm assuming you're like me like well it is what it is you know it's not like you're going to freak out at somebody if they say the word but you're like okay oh, God, no yeah no, no, yeah no, of no. course um, but yeah, no, I I feel you, I feel you. But since you've obviously been doing this for so long, you know, there's there's definitely like the, the the younger generation and the older generation that have been at this hobby. Uh, what do you feel is the biggest difference, whether you want to call it in terms of quality or vibe or attitude and approach, from the early days that you were doing this in the '80s and '90s to today?
0: Well, I think just the biggest difference is what we talked about earlier, where where now it's possible to, if you have the funds. Uh, to, to source exact replicas of things, whereas in the past you would have had the challenge of of making it yourself. And I'm not suggesting that one is better or worse, but it is it's a different vibe. Um, especially with the way the hobby is now, because there is that that feeling that you can always, if you want the perfect one, you can go out and find it. Um, it, it becomes a little more competitive, and I I, I like it to be. I always like the hobby to be a more supportive hobby. I don't I don't like I don't like it when it becomes. You know, my costume is better than your costume. I'd rather just, you know, well, how can I help you with your costume? How can you help me with mine? You know, it's just a fun sharing experience. So I think think the ability to make perfect things is kind of a curse in some ways. Mm. Blessing in others. Curse in others.
1: It's right. There's the pros and the cons that come with it. I totally understand that. And part of that just comes from human ego, of course, as well, right?
0: Well, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah it's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's a tricky, it's, it's a little bit of a minefield these days. And it, it used to be a little more relaxing, I think, Would but, you- but then if you don't want to be involved in that, you, you can always say, well, I'm not gonna, you know, I don't have to be part of the competitive nature of it. I'm going to make what I want to make and just not look online at, at, at what's out there. And that, that is a perfectly valid thing to do. And I think it. So it's, it's not like it's impossible.
1: Would you say that it's the the culture of the Internet, the, the forums, the anonymity of being behind a keyboard that's maybe helped push it that way?
0: Well, I'm not – this is one of the rare instances where I'm not suggesting that the Internet is – is to blame exactly? I, I think it's to people's credit because we we can we can talk to each other now. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's been you know I guess growing since the bulletin boards in the '90s. We can actually talk to each other. Back in the day, it was we didn't see each other unless you know we were at a convention. But now people can share information and swap, and I think that's a wonderful thing. It's not one of those times where it's like internet forums. You know, people get mad and get angry, and they you know again the the anonymity they feel they can say anything. Um, it's just the nature of having so many thousands of people being able to share what they want to share. Mm-hmm. I think that's sort of the inevitable outcome. There's more information and that's good. But there's more information and some <laughs> <laughs> It's it's just tricky. I think I think the genie's kind of out of the bottle on that one.
1: Yeah, no, no no no. Uh, no, I least, agree.
0: If there is, I haven't figured it out yet. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think the way it's I think it's for everybody to be nice to each other. If you see somebody whose costume is not, you know, if you see somebody Who's put even somebody who's put a million years of work into their costume and something's not right even if you think they're the sort of person you can say hey, that's not right, just be supportive oh, I sure. like those pants, those are good pants be nice <sighs> to each other uh, yeah. Be excellent Which to each other. Are, yeah. yeah, really. Which people are, by and large, in, in Doctor Who fandom and in costuming and in the geek world in general, people are nice to each other. And I love that about us.
1: <laughs> that That is true. I think anybody who's into this, uh, you know, we, we got used to being picked on in school. And, and when you find like-minded people, and that is the great thing about cosplay, I find, is you're, you're wearing your fandom on your sleeve. It's very easy to connect with other people who not only like Doctor Who or whatever uh, character you're doing, be it you know Stargate or Star Wars or whatnot, but you're also finding fellow cosplayers costume craft people. So it really ends up making a lot of great friends. I've met so many wonderful people doing this uh, off and on over the last 10 years that, you know, my, my life is totally different than I ever thought it would be.
0: Yeah, that's well said. <laughs>
1: and I imagine it's quite the same for you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, very much so. I, I mean, through Pride and Academy, I've met, that is one of the weirdest things. I never thought I would run an internet forum because my experiences on forums before i started this one you, know, you get the people who uh, there's a lot of negativity and arguing in the flame wars at start but my experience on starting a forum we ha- there's not a single member who is even slightly unpleasant these are the nicest sweetest people in the world there's there's never been an argument and these are just this is what doctor who fans are like this is what costuming people are like they're just nice And it's been it has been it has been an experience that that restores my faith in humanity. It is heartening every day I go in there and it's just people, you know, they're they're not pretending. They're just genuinely good people.
1: That's awesome. I think on that note, we should wrap up. Do you have any other final thoughts?
0: I do not. Wow, (laughs) I I should think of something profound, but I can't.
1: That's okay. Uh, Andy Teal, thank you so much for
0: talking with me. It was my very great pleasure. It's an honor to be on. I appreciate it.
1: Awesome. We'll have to talk more later. And we'll be back next week with more Costume Talk Shop here on Costume Station Zero.